Hello and welcome to The Adventures of Superman from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men. And who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman begins a relentless pursuit of Butcher Stark as the escaped convict speeds toward a place of refuge, ruthlessly cutting down all opposition. Hank, the cop. I was wondering when they'd show up. Well, I'll take care of him. Tell a story, gang, about two brothers who lived together but who continually quarreled over which one should own the house. However, being carpenters made the solution very easy for them, they figured. We'll just get out our tools, the one carpenter told his brother, and cut the house plumb down the middle. And each of us will take one half. So that's what they did. They started on the roof and sawed the house in half all the way down to the cellar. Only, of course, the two halves collapsed, as I'm sure you've already suspected, and they had to move into pup tents. Now, can you guess the moral of that story? Abraham Lincoln, paraphrasing the Bible, put it very neatly when he said, A house divided against itself cannot stand. That's the moral illustrated by the story of the two brothers. Lincoln used it in referring to the bitterness that existed between the North and the South, a bitterness that ended only after a terrible war. Lincoln's remark still makes sense. Today we're a united country, healthy and strong, a country that wants peace, a people who intend to keep democracy alive. But there are always some people in our country who are somewhat like the two foolish carpenters, people who somehow can't get along with others, and who spread hatred among different groups. Narrow-minded bigots they are, who apparently won't be satisfied until they've divided the house we live in. Fortunately, however, most of us are smarter than they are, or better carpenters, maybe. We know what happens when you cut through good, solid floor beams. So we do our utmost to keep intact the house we live in. And here's what we ought to tell those hate mongers. There's plenty of room here for everybody. So don't try breaking up our house, because a divided house is divided against itself and cannot stand. <laughs> And now, the adventures of Superman. When Butcher Stark, the escaped convict who had been struck by lightning in a mountain laboratory, was finally revived, a weird noise was heard each time he spoke. A vibrant, penetrating tone which caused great pain to any listener. A phenomenon caused by the thousands of volts of electricity which had entered Stark's body after passing through the high-frequency sound equipment of the laboratory. So, a man already feared as a homicidal maniac 
was given added strength to resume his career of crime and death. Superman and Batman left the mountain laboratory to search for the dangerous killer. But reaching the only way out, they found the police officer left on guard lying unconscious in the roadway. And one of the two police squad cars gone. Butcher Stark had broken clear. Now leaving Batman to care for the unconscious officer, the Man of Steel soars upward until the mountain beneath him assumes the proportions of an anthill and the winding road a thin white thread. Then he circles and carefully scans the surrounding countryside. That squad car, Stark would have to stay on the mountain road, so let's see. There are no cutoffs until it reaches that town, and there it feeds into a main highway. Hey, there's a man sitting on the porch of a house right next to the intersection. Maybe he can help me. Down! Down! Good morning. Great. Hostified if it ain't Superman. Where'd you come from? Out of the sky? Well, you might say that. Tell me, uh, have you been sitting out here long? Yep, ever since after breakfast. Always sit out here and watch the folks and the cars go by. Uh, did you see a police car turn off the mountain road a while ago? Yep, Trooper Allen's car it was, going lickety-split. That's just what I want to know. Tell me, Must did you know have been that... off his speed, though. Didn't wave at me like he usually does. Oh, I shouldn't wonder. Which way did he go? Come to think of it, he wasn't wearing his uniform, neither. Please, which way did And he... I didn't exactly see his face real close. Say, maybe don't... it wasn't Trooper Allen. It wasn't. Now, will you please tell me which way he went? Uh, 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 turned on to the main highway, going south. South, thank you. Up, up, and away! Like a comet, the man of steel arches up into the morning sky and surveys the highway to the south. With his powerful vision, he scours the many side roads and finds them empty. And he continues his curious flight until, a few minutes later, over the town of Claremont, a suburb of Metropolis, he finally catches sight of the police car. Coming down to the narrow side street where it is parked, he examines it quickly. Oh, tank's still a quarter full. No sign of mechanical failure. Tires are still good. Now, oh, why did he leave it? Now, let's see if he's still in town. No, no sign of him. Huh. Now, where in the world... Uh-oh, that's the answer. Eyes suddenly lighting on a railroad station not two blocks away, Superman realizes that Butcher Stark must have abandoned the car to continue his flight by train. So, resuming his guise of Clark Kent, he hurries over to question the station master. Uh, excuse me, can you tell me when the last train to Metropolis left this station? Yep, 810. Won't be another till 853. I see. Uh, were there many people getting on from here? Are you kidding? This is a commuter town, pal. That train is always jammed. Oh, I don't suppose you noticed a rather heavy-set man wearing shabby clothes. Look, Mr. Me, I don't have time to notice anybody. Always I usually see hands reaching for tickets. Oh, well, you, you, you must be conscious of voices. I mean, you hear people asking for tickets all day long. Didn't you notice a rather odd voice this morning? Well, I don't know. Well, I... think, man, please. It, it, it... Uh, say, say, you're right, it did. You did? Just as the 810 pulled in, a fellow whispered to me. Could hardly hear him. Bought a ticket to the city. Fine. Do you know if you made that train? Yeah, yeah. Okay, when does it arrive in Metropolis? 8.53. 53, huh? That gives me less than 20 minutes. All right, thank you. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Striding quickly out of the station, the mild-mannered reporter finds a hidden corner in a massive express and baggage, and there, resuming his true identity of Superman, arrows down the tracks in pursuit of the train and butcher starts. Up! Up! And away! Just as the train bearing the man he believes to be Butcher Stark winds across the many switches of the large Metropolis Railroad Yard to begin the final run through four miles of tunnel to the terminal, Superman catches up with it and landing on the rear platform of the last car, he again becomes Clark Kent. Then he begins a careful search of the train. Through one car after another, Kent worms his way along crowded aisles, 
scanning every face as the train roars closer and closer to Metropolis. The third car, nothing. The fourth car, nothing. The fifth, the sixth, the seventh, still nothing. Finally, he reaches the front car of the train. Slowly, as though afraid to reach the last row of seats, walks through the aisle, his keen eyes searching. He passes a young couple, an elderly man, two soldiers, a girl immersed in a morning tabloid, a mother with two children, a young businessman. And then, there are only three people left, all men seated in the last row of seats. Kent takes a tentative step forward and suddenly freezes as his keen ears pick up a hoarse whisper. Excuse me, mister. Can you tell me what time we get to the terminal? Uh-oh. That's him. That's the killer. Butcher Stark. Superman has finally caught up to Butcher Stark. What will happen when they meet face to face? We'll know in just a moment, gang, so keep listening. I went to the movies the other night, gang, and in the stage show, they had this fellow dressed up like a hillbilly. He was called a one-man hillbilly band, and he was a riot. He had a saxophone strapped on the front of him, a bass drum strapped to his back, he had a pair of cymbals on his ankles and a big musical saw hanging from his belt. In his hand, he held a violin bow, and he had a kazoo in his mouth. Well, he simply panicked the audience. He wiggled his legs and waved his arms and tooted one instrument after the other. By golly, it almost sounded like a whole band. But what corn. What awful music. He was off-key, and half the notes sounded as if they'd been dipped in lemon juice. But you couldn't expect good music. After all, a one-man band is just a vaudeville gag and isn't expected to produce anything but laughs. However, if it's good band music you want, you get it from a group of musicians in which each one's a specialist in a different instrument and all work together. Now, the same thing applies to many things in life. The people who remind me of a one-man band are those bozos who go around handing out that nonsense about there being a master race. Folks who think they're better than anyone else and who don't want to work with this guy or with that guy because of his race or his religion. Can you imagine how far they'd get running things on their own without the help of the rest of us? Boy, they'd get tangled up 64 ways. Because to have things work smoothly, you need different kinds of people with many different talents, all cooperating and all of them in the same groove. Like a good band, not a one-man clown routine. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. The desperate search is over. Superman and his guys of Clark Kent has finally caught up to Butcher Stark on a commuter train less than five minutes away from the Metropolis Terminal. Realizing there might be danger to the other passengers in the car should he close with the escaped convict now, Kent strides back to the conductor who is waiting on the car platform. I beg your pardon, sir, but is there any way for you to stop this train now? Delay its arrival for a few minutes? Stop the train? What for? There's an escaped convict sitting up in that seat there, right next to the window. If he should get loose in the crowds at the terminal, we'll never be able to catch now, him. Now, just a minute there. How do I Listen, know that I'm Clark Kent of the Daily Planet. I've trailed that man all the way from the mountains upstate. He's a killer. He escaped from the death house day before yesterday. Oh, yeah? We've got to stop him now. Once we're in the terminal, it'll it'll be too late. Well, I can't stop the train here. We'd mess up the whole schedule. Well, there must be something you can do. This is Hey, certain. you're not pulling my leg now. I swear I'm not. Okay, I'll see what I can do. You better wait here. All right, but hurry, man, hurry! Tensely, Kent watches as the conductor walks up the aisle of the car, then pauses at the door to the front platform to stare curiously at Butcher Stark. No! No, don't stare at him! Don't! But his whispered warning is too late. Stark, alive to any strange gesture or incident... Suddenly rises and walks back down the aisle, straight toward Kent. Well, now it looks as if it's up to me. 
out of my way, Bart. Hold it, Stark. You're not going anywhere. Oh, no. Now, don't start anything here. I'm warning you. Oh, no, you won't, Bart. You can't stop me. Oh, my ears. That's it, pal. Hold your ears, but it won't do you no good. Oh, I'm Stark's evil laughter roars through the train. Windows are shattered. Electric light bulbs explode and passengers clutch their ears in sudden unbearable pain. Kent, standing right beside the convict, suddenly pales, then falls helplessly backward. Well, it looks as if Stark's ghastly power has overcome the might of Superman himself. What will happen now? Can the killer be stopped? There's a startling new development in Monday's exciting episode, gang. So don't fail to listen. Tune in, same time, same station, for Chapter 4 of The Voice of Doom on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch for the Superman adventure serials soon to be shown at your local movie theater. This program came from New York. Stay tuned to your mutual station for Adventure Parade, which follows in just a moment. And right after Adventure Parade, you will hear Tom Mix and his Ralston Straight Shooters. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. <laughs> 